Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares, and by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett, and you're listening to The Last Symptom. I'm really happy you're here. This is going to be a good show. Got a story to tell you about the tater chip that destroyed the bowels of America. And my personal experience with this potato chip, it's a true story. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the last symptom community, the online community, and uh, both past and present, and sort of my teaching approach to those groups. You say, well, that's probably, that doesn't sound too interesting. That sounds kind of boring. But the truth is, is that giving you some insight into my teaching approach is going to help you understand my intentions for you and also um, help you understand some of the more subtle issues at play in your attempts at authentic recovery. And finally, I'm going to read you an excerpt from the book, Walking with Spring by Earl Schaefer. Do you know who he is? Well, you will by the end of today's show. Before we get started today, I would like to tell you about TheLastSymptom.com. That's my website full of free resources, and it has gotten some updates here not too long ago. So it's looking pretty, and I invite you to go over there if you haven't been there for a while and look things over. I'm still a one-man show. You know, you'd think that I have, like, armies of elves or something running around helping me out, but I don't. Uh, It's just me handling all this by myself, week by week, including this show, uh, my interactions with people daily, my work on the Last Symptom community on Locals, that's L-O-C-A-L-S. We'll talk about that here in a little bit uh, more. I also have a group on MeWe, and uh, I'm doing these daily orange slices. Have you heard about them? They're condensed daily video insights that are exclusively available on the last symptom community on the locals platform so i'm doing those all every day and uh, you know it takes a lot of my time i spend a lot of time sitting and writing and thinking about what people need to hear what people would be interested in hearing um, and doing my best as a one-man show you know, it's kind of like riding a unicycle and uh, juggling six or seven bottles of uh, Kentucky bourbon while singing Dixie. So it's, it keeps me very busy. So I finally did get around to doing some updates over at thelastsymptom.com, which I think makes the site prettier, easier to maneuver, and that sort of thing. In fact, I've created a special tab now 
for free resources so a person doesn't ha- even have to to go searching for that stuff anymore they can just go to thelastsymptom.com go to the free resources tab at the top or on your phone it's a there's a series i think there are three lines up in the right hand corner and you just click on that it brings up, up all your options and then you just go into free resources and everything's linked so everything all the free resources there are linked now if you're new to this show you should know that uh, we're now most of the way through the third season so that's three years worth of information just on this show that is free for you to binge on you know we're in that era where a show comes out on TV and you can just binge the whole thing well the last symptom podcast uh, is very binge worthy in fact I get new people who discover the last symptom all the time say well I've heard every show uh, and this is like two weeks after they discovered it. and I say how is that possible because it used to be and this is the truth when I first started the last symptom and in particular the last symptom podcast every long road trip I'd go on I would start at episode one of the last symptom podcast and catch up to where I was currently you know if I were driving out to Philly or driving out to Boston or whatever by the time I got there I would have heard every episode then it got to be that I hadn't heard every episode by the time I got to Philly or Boston but on the return drive I would finally catch up well I can't even do that anymore there's so many episodes Uh, I think there's approximately 53 54 episodes per season so just can't do that no more there's too there's too many for me to keep up with so there are episodes of this show that I haven't heard myself uh, in a couple years now so a lot of good information over the years we have discussed just so many details about borderline personality disorder about emotional health about authentic recovery not the superficial stuff you're getting everywhere else but authentic recovery ridding yourself of emotional disorders entirely so that then you don't have to cope with symptoms you don't need a superficial bag of tricks to just survive life you know that's the whole point of the last symptom authentic recovery ridding yourself of what you can rid yourself of living without this thing these emotional issues that are just robbing you of time and happiness and energy once and for all now having said that you're still going to be dealing with the human condition for the rest of your life but I'll tell you what life is just a flawed human being is a lot better a lot but immeasurably better than being a flawed individual a flawed imperfect individual with an emotional disorder on top of that authentic emotional health does not mean perfection but it does mean the possibility for authentic contentment and uh, you know we discussed that not too long ago on uh, the daily orange slices the difference between 
contentment and happiness so if you haven't seen those i encourage you to to check them out i think i made an episode of this show about that thelastsymptom.com that's my website full of free resources but also some paid resources and that's how i support uh, my work here and it has managed to do fairly well over the last few years you can schedule one-on-one phone calls or zoom calls with me you know zoom video calls depending on what floats your boat and we can talk about your specific circumstances and what you might specifically need to focus on in order to uh, make true headway in your own efforts at authentic recovery and then i have the two-week intensive the last symptom fundamentals course it's pre-recorded a pre-recorded video course that's online you know i say it's a two-week course it's probably oh upwards around 60 hours long it's divided into three chapters per day for uh, about two weeks and one of the really nice things about it is that you can take it according to your schedule so you don't have to do all three chapters every day you can do one chapter every day and then the next day when you open her up she picks right back up where you left off but it's comprehensive it's comprehensive meaning that nothing you need to know is left out and it's structured in what that means is that it unravels in a very natural way so that each thing leads into the other making it very easy to understand even the more subtle points that I make within that course I put a lot of work into it and a lot of people have benefited from it I know because I've heard from them and I've seen people really their lives changed from taking that course so if uh, you are somebody who's living with an emotional disorder or uh, such as borderline personality disorder or if you're somebody who cares about somebody uh, living with an emotional disorder such as borderline personality disorder this course really is uh, something that you want to give some thought to that's available over at thelastsymptom.com in the paid services tab now let's talk here for a second about the potato chip that gave everybody diarrhea back in the 90s now i was just going to have you take my word at this and tell my story but at the last minute i decided to look up on the internet to see if anybody else remembered this situation and uh, here's what i found on crack.com the potato chip that destroyed the bowels of america says there's a very old and common fictional trope and by the way i just want to cut in here and say that i hate i hate the word trope i just think it's idiotic you didn't hear that word 10 years ago but somebody wrote it on the internet and now everybody like lemmings now uses the word trope people as unthinking parrots just annoy me just use the word cliche instead you know that's that's the more well-established word but no everybody wants to say trope nowadays because they don't want to be left out i reckon 
But the article says trope. There's a very old and common fictional trope where someone gets their deepest desire, but with ironic consequences. For example, a genie might grant a humble fisherman three wishes, but the wishes all make him (laughs) shit himself. Uh, or a harassed bookworm finally gets some peace and quiet to read after a nuclear explosion but then he (laughs) I'm not going to say that anymore but then he craps himself so hard his glasses break well back in the 90's Americans were more obsessed with dieting and weight loss than ever so the nation rejoiced when the FDA announced they had approved a miraculous new fat substitute which could be used to produce low-fat versions of deliciously unhealthy foods like potato chips. Now, this is the truth, folks. This really did happen. It was called Olestra, and oh boy, was there some bad news about that. Before <laughs> before long, a solid percentage of Americans could no longer look their dry cleaner in the eye, while most gas stations just tossed a grenade <laughs> just tossed a grenade into the bathroom at the end of the day (laughs) Uh, so are you on board with me here the FDA had approved a fat substitute and manufacturers of (laughs) potatoes of potato chips just started shoving this stuff into their products well the fat substitute turned out to give everybody diarrhea (laughs) and this is true this is true Um, and you'll remember that my my mentor Dave Selvage the old wise Cherokee Indian and his family I spent a lot of time with them well the interesting thing about them is that they never had anything to eat. They were all uh, big-boned people. Uh, They were all hefty, let's say. And I was a skinny, skinny guy all the time. And that was the irony. I was always hungry. And uh, this family, uh, the Selvage family, only ate at specific times. And they were all heavy. So (laughs) they never had any food out or any snacks or anything like that. They would eat a a meal, but then there was no food. So I'd get hungry later on in the evening, and there wouldn't be anything. You know, so they just made it count. They made it count when they sat down to eat. Uh, Whereas I was more like a bird, you know, I'd, I'd eat here and there. Well, somebody had gifted the Selvages, this family that I would spend so much time with, a whole box of these Pringles, and none of them wanted to eat the Pringles because they were all they were all crapping themselves to death every time they <laughs> every time they'd eat one of these Pringles. So what they did was they took the uh, the whole box out. They're like, "Oh man, these are no good," and they set them outside in this box and I was thinking you know the way I grew up we didn't we didn't waste anything so uh, 
when I saw him take that box of Pringles out there, I said, what are you doing with, with all that food? They said, oh, no, Brian, you don't want to eat these trustas. And they put them outside and set them outside. Well, we got the biggest blizzard of all time, and I was there with the, the salvages during that time. It would get late at night, and I started to remember those Pringles out there. So what I did was I went out there. I don't remember how long they'd been out there. They'd probably been out there for a long time. But I, I dug through the snow, and I would just take one, a tube. You know, Pringles come in a tube. Pringles potato chips. So I would just get one tube at a time. And I ate through that entire box of Pringles. There must have been 30 tubes of Pringles in that box. But, you know, I don't ever remember getting diarrhea from eating those things. So some people were affected by it and some people weren't. But I'll tell you what, that was a that was just a beautiful thing, them uh, leaving that whole box of Pringles outside. Because then for, for forever, I mean, it must have been for a couple months, every time I got hungry, I'd just go out there, dig, <laughs> dig those Pringles out from underneath the snow. And then I had a snack, and then I didn't have to go to bed starving. So that's my story. Some of you... Old timers might remember back in the 90s <laughs> when everybody was going to put in that, uh, that stuff in their Pringles. What was it called? Olestra. Olestra. So uh, I wonder if they're still putting that in stuff any, anymore. Well, that's my story. Uh, let's get into today's topic about uh, emotional health. And we'll talk about my teaching method within the Last Symptom online community. Now, here's what I want to invite you to do. I would like to invite you to join our online community, the Last Symptom Community, on the Locals platform. There's two ways you can do it. You can run over to thelastsymptom.com, that's my website, go into the free resources tab, and just click the link. It'll take you right there. Another way you can do it is by going to thelastsymptom.locals. L-O-C-A-L-S dot com and that will take you right to our community. And then the other option is for you to go and download the locals.com app from the app store. And then once you've done that, you just search for the last symptom and we'll pop right up. So there's three easy ways to do it. You're missing out if you're not in our community. We have uh, lots of good conversations. The group is growing every day, and I mean every day. And it has been doing so since I moved over to the Locals platform. It's doing very well. So let's talk about my teaching method within the Last Symptom online community, both the current one and the old one, which was on Facebook. But uh, I ain't on Facebook no more. And we'll talk about how you can use my teaching method to your enlightenment and to your advantage. I want to explain this to you and all because uh, for several reasons. Number one, every once in a while, I've had to delete comments or posts. Now, not so much on this newest group on the Locals platform, but I had to do it frequently on my original group. And why do you reckon I did that? Because I'm a big old meanie? No, not because I'm a meanie. We'll talk about it. Number two, 
Some have taken comments that I've made for the benefit of my entire Last Symptom community as a whole very personally, as if I were singling them out and and reprimanding them personally. And, you know, this has been a recurring thing since I started The Last Symptom, and I've always kind of wanted to talk about it, and this is my chance. So do you understand what I'm talking about? I will post something because I think, oh, many, many people could benefit from this. And then I'll get, like, you know, tons of emails from people saying, oh, I know why you're saying that because I, I said this one thing the other day or because I asked this question the other day. You, it's your way of punishing me. No, it's got nothing to do with that. You know, so don't, don't worry there. Number three. My number three reason for talking about my approach to the last symptom online communities. I don't want anybody to become discouraged and simply give up trying or participating uh, on the last symptom groups. Now here's one thing that I really was firm about in the original Facebook group that I'm not on anymore by the way. If you want to be in the last symptom community, you have to join you have to join us on locals. It's the it's the sure bet for my work. You know, I can say whatever I need to say on locals and I don't have to worry about censors. And that in my line of work when I'm contradicting a lot of powerful organizations, that's that's in my best interest. It's in your best best interest because you want me to be able to tell you the truth, right? So that's why I'm on locals. Even on the current group, I typically do not encourage new members to create new posts unless, and this is important, unless the post reflects a familiarity with the fundamental principles of the last symptom. Now, I say I don't encourage it. I don't um, disallow it. I just don't encourage it. You know, my preference is that a person gets familiar with the last symptom, at least the basic fundamental principles of the things that uh, I share with people, before they start commenting, because then they can comment in a way that's in harmonizes, you know, with those underlying principles and laws of emotional health. But also, I'd like to emphasize that it's not that I don't encourage them to not post or participate at all, but rather, if they're going to, I'd like those posts and those comments to reflect a familiarity with the fundamental principles of the last symptom. The necessity of this uh, approach become obvious to me when lots of folks were coming in to the last symptom community clearly having had a lot of exposure to mainstream therapists, books, and so forth. In other words, these are folks who for years have uh, had been exposed to uh, the most common teachings and uh, terminology and and so forth 
this meant that they had been educated in many popular, conflicting, false philosophies and concepts. You see, they were indoctrinated for years by the professional community. Now here's the rub. What had the professional community done for them in any genuine way? Nothing. They hadn't done nothing for them. So for 10 years they've been reading these books, parroting the same terminology, parroting the same failed concepts, having experienced no genuine advancement in their efforts whatsoever. But they come into the group and they parrot. They parrot all this failed stuff. None of that stuff in in all the years that it took them to read those books and speak to all these uh, quote-unquote experts had not done anything for them in a real way. And yet, these folks were clinging to the same tired, failed indoctrination. So, they were bringing their erroneous concepts with them, and instead of joining my group and discarding the things that I was pointing out to them was keeping them from authentically recovering. Instead of discarding those things, they would they kept clinging to them and trying to marry or merge what those failed concepts are with what I was telling them. You know, uh, made my it makes my job much much harder when a person has had years within the system, let's say. Because it's not like I'm teaching somebody from from scratch, right? Uh, giving them ideas, uh, teaching them ideas and and ways of looking at things from scratch. Now, uh, first of all, what I got to do is I have to g- convince the person to discard all of this horseshit that they have accumulated and and believe that they know very well. They got to discard that for that. You know, so that makes, it sets us back. Got to get them to do that before I can get them to accept or see for themselves that this totally opposing idea is, in fact, the more beneficial thing for them. So it just adds to the, the workload for me and the frustration and the, the patience that I must demonstrate in order to help people. A lot of people simply parrot the same old stuff that they bring with them. Uh, Terms like criteria, triggers, spectrum, splitting are just a few examples. These are dead giveaways that a person has been indoctrinated by the professional community. Literally, like programmed robots. They've just... That's what they see in all the materials. That's what all the the folks out there are. That's all the terminology they're using. And these folks just absorb that and adopt it and believe they know what they're talking about. And they don't. These terms, criteria, trigger, spectrum, splitting, to name just a few, do not in any way 
reflect that the person using those terms truly understands the underlying issues that they are dealing with. In fact, it reflects the exact opposite. Now, I'm not going to go into the reasons why today on this one episode of this show because I've talked about these things uh, in great detail in other episodes of this show. Here's a, an interesting one. Now, this hasn't happened in the new group on Locals. I'll tell you, when you, when you sign up for the Last Symptom community on the Locals platform, uh, the description that I have there for that group is that it is my premier group. That is, the, it's the premier group of the Last Symptom. You may think that's just fancy wording, but no, it's not. The new group is very high quality. It's, it's higher quality than the old Facebook group could ever have hoped to achieve. You know why? It's just the design of the platform. On Facebook, a lot of the members, and you know, I don't want to single out anybody, but in general, many members were not really invested into the group. But, you know, they, they seemed sincere. So they get into the group, and then you get all kinds of riffraff in that kind of environment. They're not even there. You know, nobody who is on a Facebook group is there primarily for that group. You know what they're there primarily for? To see uh, pictures of Cousin Sally's wedding. To talk about how much they hate uh, the rain on a particular day. To, you know, it's a social network. Um, they're there to, to talk, to, to let their hair down, to be themselves uh, among friends. So they're not there primarily to learn when you're on Facebook. When you're on Facebook, you're on there primarily to be social, right? Yeah. To be social and let your hair down. So anybody in a group on Facebook, that's kind of a secondary thing. It's not the primary reason why, why they're there. So the new The Last Symptom community on the Locals platform is really refined. I mean, I think most of the members there would agree with that. It, it's an entirely different environment. And I have to do very, very little moderating on that group. But, you know, on the, on the old group, Again, which was on Facebook, which I'm not there anymore. I feel like I have to keep saying that so nobody keeps, nobody hears this and runs over and starts searching for my group on Facebook. But many people joined the group and had no clue who I was. Now, that didn't hurt my feelings, the fact that they didn't know who I was. But it did make me question why they were there at all. You know, despite the fact that my name was in the very title of the group name that they were joining, they had no clue who I was. And some people, when I would look up their profile, I'd see that they'd been there for two years and they didn't know who I was. Now, how can you know, how can you be in a group where I'm, 
I'm trying to instruct people and trying to help them every day on that group, posting links to this show, posting links to videos, uh, you know, creating articles to benefit people. And a person who's been on there for two years says, who are you? <laughs> Do you see how that's not a, it wasn't like, oh man, you've hurt my feelings and you, or you've, uh, you've assaulted my my pride that's got nothing to do with it it's got nothing to do with it what it's about is why is this person here that clearly they are not benefiting from my time and effort so if they don't even know who I am how can they be benefiting from my time and effort so why are they even here how did they get even get in here now so you would think that if you saw a group that was titled Brian Barnett colon borderline personality disorder that was the name of my group for oh I'm gonna say first year and a half and then it changed to Brian Barnett colon the last symptom you'd think that if you saw that that you would at least be at the very least be curious about who this Brian Barnett guy is, right? And then do a bit of investigating into the what sorts of things is this guy teaching? But no, people weren't doing this. And it still makes me shake my head. At any rate, I realize that whether that sort of thing makes sense to me or not, it's, uh, it is a reality that I was dealing with when working with thousands of people. So, uh, I went to the approach that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, where new people coming into the group weren't al- in the old group. They were not allowed to post to create new posts. Uh, they were allowed to comment. They weren't allowed to create new posts. If they don't even know who I am, they can't even. Uh, their posts do not even reflect a basic understanding of the basic principles that my work is built upon you know you've got some work to do first you got to find out who I am what what is the last symptom what are the sorts of things that I'm that uh, the last symptom stands for and represents and and teaches people if your comments then reflect or harmonize with that good go for it go for it and you know what it comes down to really is that communities or groups under the banner of the last symptom are an escape they're an escape from bullshit they're an escape from conflicting and erroneous information it doesn't matter how broadly embraced and popular some of that information might be The last symptom is meant to be an oasis from all that nonsense. If you don't know me, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. I had borderline personality disorder up until about the age of 35 when I had a major crisis in my life. During that crisis, well, it was after that crisis, I discovered that I had always lived with borderline personality disorder. I made it my primary objective 
in life to completely rid myself of borderline personality disorder in an authentic way. I was not going to be content just you know, sticking a Band-Aid on myself and going on in life because my losses and the pain that I had, had endured were so excruciating I could not imagine going through something like that ever again and I wasn't going to. It was that painful. It would be like you know, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it in like physical terms, but imagine that um, you you grab a hold of an electric wire, a bare electric wire, and it just shocks the holy macaroni out of you. It lifts your hair out, and I mean, you're stuck there, and all, you, you think you're going to die. It's just excruciating. Uh, by, by just somehow you manage to free yourself from that that excruciating experience you know you get your hand free or whatever you would resolve I am never again gonna go around touching bare wires like that anymore I'm never gonna do anything that puts me in danger of experiencing that sort of electric shock again well, that's what my borderline personality disorder crisis was like. It was so excruciating, and it went on for so long that I said, I just resolved myself to uh, to figure out the underlying causes for everything that led up to it and to eliminate those, those causes once and for all. How was I going to eliminate them? Well, the only way I could eliminate them for real is to understand the very nature of them thoroughly and for real. And I managed to do that. So, do you think that in the course of me doing that, I did not encounter a lot of bullshit? Brother, I'm telling you, everything I encountered was in enmeshed with with horseshit I had to learn to separate what was useful for me from the horseshit and it turned into that just became a standard operating procedure for me after some time had gone on and I realized that every source of information is enmeshed with horseshit so it just became standard operating procedure. Get a book from the library, learn to distinguish within that book what is useful for me, and discard what was horseshit. So I did all that. Now, think about if I had gone to the library and every book on the subjects of everything I read only contained useful information, only contained unadulterated truth. Think, think about how much time I would have saved. But no, a lot of my effort had to be devoted to reading through lots of horse shit and identifying it as such and discarding it. Do you see how much time I lost doing that? So when I created The Last Symptom, I said, well, 
now what I can do is I can take everything I know about all that horseshit and I can save people all the time and effort of having to go through that process for themselves. If I can explain in clear terms why it's horseshit, they don't have to go down that road. Right? They can save themselves years. Now, uh, everybody who knows me and has been listening for a while knows that it took me an average of seven years to authentically rid myself of borderline personality disorder. And I tell people that that was unnecessary. It took me seven years unnecessarily. Why was it unnecessary? Because if the information I was consuming was 100% accurate, and I did not have to sift through a bunch of horseshit, it would have taken me half the time. Half the time. So, my work, it's very important to me, with my work with the last symptom, that the last symptom be an, an oasis from all of the conflicting, erroneous, destructive, false notions that are being spread in every book you, you have access to out there that I've seen. All right, I'm, I'm sure that there's somebody like me out there speaking truth to power, but um, we're, we're in the minority for sure. So, you know, it's important that uh, folks have at least a, a basic understanding of the principles that uh, the last symptom is built upon, and that way their, their comments and their posts will harmonize with these things rather than conflict with them and work against my efforts. So, contributions in the last symptom group in the form of posts, questions, and comments... It's just better, right, if they reflect a basic familiarity with some of the fundamentals of the last symptom. So if a person joins the last symptom community and then that person's commenting about how something quote-unquote triggered them, that comment is going to be deleted because there's no such thing as triggers. It's a The whole notion of triggers is destructive. That whole lie about triggers is only destructive. It only keeps people from uh, truly getting better. And once you see that, you, you'll understand why I'm so adamant that triggers be uh, discarded from the vocabulary of, of folks and um, that type of viewing situations not even be used. You know, I can't have members reinforcing false, destructive, conflicting, erroneous notions that most people already live with. You know, most people, when they discover the last symptom for the first time, already live with all those destructive, false, erroneous notions. And I'm putting in tons of effort to help people free themselves from these notions so you see comments that come in that uh, reinforce these concepts these false concepts work against the accurate insights that I'm trying to give people 
what if somebody outright disagrees with some of the fundamental principles that I share within the last symptom community? Well, within the group is not the place to debate anything with me. Remember, I had border, you know, I understand how that comes across. That probably sounds like, man, the balls on this guy. How arrogant can you get? But you have to remember where I'm coming from. I had borderline personality disorder. I really did. I had it for 35 years of my life. If I'm 46 now, I had it until I was 35. And then I had remnants of it for a few years after that while I was learning about uh, the, the disorder and taking steps to eliminate it. But I really did have it. I had it and it it affected my life as much as it has affected anybody's life and now I really don't have it I really don't have it it's been years since I had it so I'm not interested in debating anybody right people come to me hopefully because they know that I'm willing to share with them how I rid myself of the disorder and they know that I want that for them too but I'm not interested in debating anybody I'm happy to answer questions I'm happy to answer genuine sincere questions what I am not interested in is debating you now I'm particularly not interested in debating anybody who wants to debate the best way to go about doing something that they have never personally achieved but that I have there's absolutely no rational reason that exists for me to waste my time like that it would be like standing around watching a 600 pound fat man arguing with Jack LaLanne about what is the best way to get fit. The absurdity and pointlessness of it is beyond measure. If you don't know who Jack LaLanne is, he was a fitness guru. He's considered the godfather of modern fitness. In 1975, at age 61, Jack LaLanne, at age 61, swam the length of the Golden Gate Bridge underwater for a second time handcuffed shackled and towing a 1,000 pound boat you think I'm making that up you you look that up on DuckDuckGo as soon as you finish listening to this Jack LaLanne age 61 in 1975 swam the length of the Golden Gate Bridge underwater handcuffed, shackled and towing a 1,000 pound boat so you get my point for Jack LaLanne to stand around and let his time and energy be burned up and wasted on some fat slob chowing down on a greasy hamburger and milkshake arguing with him about the best way to get and maintain good physical shape or fitness would be absurd. I mean, absurd is putting it mildly. Jack LaLanne certainly would not be getting anything constructive out of anything like that 
and neither would the fat slob. So the best thing Jack Lillian could possibly do is to just walk away from situations like that and not have his time wasted. And that's the way I, I look at it. You know, I, I don't have to debate anybody. <laughs> because if you get better or not, by your own choice, if because of your own choices, you reject everything I say, and you walk off and you live a life of misery and you just live a disordered life for the rest of your days, what's that to me? What's that to me? It's not my decision. And nor do I have a right to chase you down, hogtie you, and make you listen to me. I respect your right to make decisions for yourself like that. So what's it to me? That's why I don't have to debate anybody. I'm only interested in sharing what I already know because it's true. Because it was my understanding and realizations that cured myself of borderline personality disorder. And people come to me supposedly because they have emotional disorders and they want to get better. So, you know, I'm, I don't do this work to be taught by anybody else how to do it. <laughs> I've already done it. Uh, and, you know, unhealthy people who come to me uh, curious and looking for information for themselves, uh, frankly, they're not in a position Right? They're, they're in no position to be telling me or debating with me how wrong I am. If these folks have so much faith in what they read in a book or that they were told for 10 years by therapists, why do they still have borderline personality disorder? Hmm? Good question, isn't it? If that information is so great why are they still dealing with the same issues? Why has any perceived improvement that they have made been so superficial and entirely dependent on their environment? Now let me explain what that means. The professional community gives folks bags of tricks <coughs> that depend on perfect circumstances in order to even seem like they're working. So if a person has a, you know, terrible uh, problems with anger, for example, once they go through and get their quote-unquote help from the professional community, they might feel like they can keep their temper under better control. But that's only as long as nothing surprises them or as as long as there's nothing around them to cause them any stress you see it's these bags of tricks are entirely dependent on their environment it's not true it's not real it's not real healing or growth it's a prison you see you must only be in environments that are perfectly suited to these superficial bags of tricks. That is not authentic emotional health. It's a prison. So now you understand, I hope, a little bit of why I, I like to encourage people to get familiar 
with the last symptom and the fundamental principles that I uh, teach before they begin really creating lots of posts and that sort of thing. Many new members join and within hours their first posts get approved right away and uh, that's because they already understand some fundamental concepts very well or they're asking a well-intentioned question or it could be lots of things and uh, or you know maybe they've been listening to this show for a long time and they've just now joined the group and they their participation clearly reflects that they understand some of the fundamentals let's talk about uh, posts or comments within the last symptom community that people feel personally singled out over. So here's the way that works. Sometimes I see conversations or whatever that prompt me to address the group as a whole. And there's a reason why I don't specify any one person when I do this. It's because I'm not addressing any one person. You know, there's nothing I see within the last symptom community where I go, ooh, that person's, that person's going to get it. <laughs> I don't do that. And in fact, um, unless I'm interacting with you personally one-on-one, um, most of the time I'm thinking about my, my community as a whole. Now, every person within the last symptom community is very valued to, you know, I value each person very, very much. And I'm really honored and privileged in that I've managed to, to really get to know some of the members of the Last Symptom community very well. And I consider them, they're, they're dear to me. But there's two aspects of my work. There's the one-on-one individual interactions, and then there's the group work. That's where I'm thinking about the whole community of the last symptom and what what folks in general need and so there's a lot of times where I take like a personal conversation or an individual conversation that I have with somebody and I go you know what this this topic is exactly what needs to be addressed for the majority and then I go and I I write uh, an article or I do a an orange slice video or you know, I address it in some fashion for the benefit of everybody. You know, remember, I'm one man, and I'm trying to benefit lots of people. One man, only for all of us, there are only so many hours in a day, right? Imagine if I got up, and let, just let's take a small number, 300. Let's say that I spent my day reaching out and working with 300 different people every day I wouldn't have time to eat lunch or breakfast or supper you know I certainly wouldn't have time to do videos every day and record this show every week so I quickly learned when I created The Last Symptom that because of the numbers of people that I would be interacting with um, to make the best use use of my time a lot of times I have to reserve things to address for the community. That way lots of people get to benefit from some kind of insight or whatever. And so that's really on my mind an awful lot 
I'm never singling one person out, especially when I'm talking to the community of the last symptom members. Never singling anybody out. That's never on my mind when I do a post that I send out to the whole world or anything like that. I'm never trying to secretly get a jab in at anybody or or set them straight or anything like that. No, no. The only thing on my mind is, man, a lot of people are probably dealing with the same uh, uncertainty or confusion or whatever, and and so I need to address it for the, the whole group. You know, you as an individual and all members of The Last Symptom, your privacy and dignity is at an utmost importance to me. You know, trust me, if I wanted to single you out, I wouldn't just write a post to the entire group. Why would I do that? I'd just send you a private message. So there's absolutely no need for comments like this. Hey, I know you're referring to that post I made. Or hey, the reasons why I I made that comment on the group are this. And hey, hey I, I know you're uh, that I let you down with that comment. You don't have to do that. I'm not I'm not singling you out. Not even in my head. And, you know, if you and I do have a conversation that involves some things that I later talk about publicly to the whole group, there's only two people who have any idea whatsoever that something that you and I talked about prompted me to address the whole group. And remember, the reason why I address the whole group is for their benefit, because you're not the only one dealing with that sort of thing. But there's only two people who have any idea that you and I ever talked about that at all. And that's you and me. So why would you do this to yourself, you know, out yourself like that? I've I've purposely preserved your privacy and dignity while at the same time using, you know, something that you're dealing with as a positive opportunity to educate the whole whole community and yet you've just unnecessarily revealed yourself to everybody you know with your with your post or your comment uh, so basically you've taken a pistol and you've shot yourself in your own foot after i purposely tried to save you from pain there are some points or information that would be so that are so worthwhile that it would be a shame for me to share it with just one person only and not share it with the other however other number of members in the group so it's not to shame you it's not my way of calling you out in front of thousands of people it's it's the very reason I don't reveal names or identities uh, of anybody and yet uh, some turn around and this is mostly this has been in the past but some turn right around and then do it to themselves (laughs) Hey, I'm the one that had that conversation with you, and I'm sorry. I I've learned. I've gotten better, <laughs> and now everybody knows where I got the idea to discuss that subject. I didn't do that. You're doing it to yourself. So there's no need for it. Just consider the point 
and move on. You know, it's not appropriate to perceive it as an attack or a slight against you personally, or an attack or slight at all for that matter. Even if something you wrote is what prompted me to address the group as a whole, does the fact that I'm addressing the group rather than sending you a personal message not indicate that I saw it as something a lot of people could benefit from? So, please, when I've shown concern for your dignity and privacy, don't undermine it. It's a real head-scratcher for me when people have done this. Totally unnecessary. I understand uh, some of the, the emotional disorder reasons for it, but even so, uh, I want to help people <laughs> uh, understand they don't have to do that to themselves. So... Uh, I want to welcome everybody to join the Last Symptom community. I just those are some insights into the, some of the uh, the things that I deal with in the group and uh, some of my thinking behind behind it all. You know, I I spend a lot of uh, energy and uh, attention on folks who are within the Last Symptom community and uh, try to give them my best all the time uh, with their best interests in mind always. And, um, you know, if you get into one of the last symptom groups and you encounter any of these sorts of things that we've discussed today, don't get discouraged. Just uh, understand the, the reasoning behind everything and view it all as an opportunity to learn something constructive and grow in your understanding and perception of things. Well, folks, that's the show today. Uh, I hope you're having a wonderful week. I didn't say that earlier, but I hope you are. And I hope you're planning something nice for your weekend. I promised you that I'd uh, read an excerpt from the book Walking with Spring by Earl Schaefer. Do you know who Earl Schaefer is? Earl Schaefer was the first person to solo backpack the 2,000-plus miles of the infamous Appalachian Trail that extends from the state of Georgia here in the United States all the way northeast to the middle of the state of Maine. It ends at Mount Katahdin, and that's just how we pronounce it. I don't know how they pronounce it out there in New England. I know it's not Katahdin, but at the moment, I cannot think of the pronunciation they use. It's the same way as that uh, everybody who's not from Appalachia says Appalachian or something like that. Uh, You can tell that a person's not from Appalachia because they don't say Appalachia right. And you can tell that I'm not originally from New England because I probably am not pronouncing Mount Katahdin right. But that's, uh, that's the Appalachian Trail. Now, here's the thing about Earl Schaefer. He did this back in 1948. He did not have the high-class hiking boots that we have nowadays. He just had some army boots. Didn't have all the lightweight stuff that we have today. He didn't have all the fancy-pantsy shelters and ridiculous walking sticks, the high-tech walking sticks that people spend upwards of $300, $400 on. No, this guy just... Uh, he threw an army backpack on, 
went out with his army boots and he hiked it. He was the first one to accomplish this and the conditions then, if you can imagine, were not anything like they are today. But before I forget, I do want to tell you that I have uh, my personal, the personal social media account that I use for just personal things is on MeWe, which is a a Facebook alternative. I've given up all the platforms that are heavy on censorship. I just, it goes contrary to, to the very fundamental principles that I value as a a freedom-loving American. But um, I'm on MeWe, and one thing that has surprised me about MeWe is that uh, the groups on MeWe are unbelievably robust. And I've joined a couple of Appalachian Trail groups on MeWe, and they are lively, boys, I'll tell you. I follow these folks, um, folks who are through hiking, the Appalachian Trail right now this year. I've been following them since the spring, hiking from Georgia on their way to Maine. And most of these folks, they check in every day with pictures and trail notes and kind of keep it an online journal. They're on MeWe. And it's it's really nice. So, you know, if you've been hesitant about it, uh, joining MeWe just because you find it kind of clunky and cold or whatever... Um, the, I've found that the just the groups for fun on MeWe are so much so refreshing compared to the Facebook groups that I used to be used to. So um, yeah, I just encourage you to look that up. Uh, just look up Appalachian Trail within groups on MeWe, and man, what a lively, what a bunch of lively groups are on there and it's just been really nice um there's one lady in particular been following her along for for months now and every day i get to see where she's at you know if she has a phone signal i get to see where she's at where she camped um the trail conditions i get to see the weather they're all enduring and and all sorts of things it's a lot of fun but back to this uh earl schaefer you know when he did it Nobody had ever done it before. And now here's what um, you might not be familiar with if, if you've ever heard of Earl Schaefer. The first time that he did it, that he hiked the Appalachian Trail, backpacked really, the Appalachian Trail, he did it for his emotional health. Yeah. He had just come out of World War II, and he and uh, his buddy had made up their mind that they were going to hike the Appalachian Trail. They were going to be the first ones to do it before he went off to war. And his buddy never came back. And so Earl Schaefer come back and he decided, well, I'm going to. And um, the reason why his book is called Walking with Spring is because spring here in the United States starts first in the southern states. And then it moves up north and northeast. And so when a person starts out typically here, hiking the Appalachian Trail, they'll start out in March. In March, in Georgia, it's it's doable. You could never do that in March in Maine, you know, at the northern terminus, because spring is still a long way off for them. And you're still looking at snow and, and terrible conditions. 
So Earl Schaefer's plan was, I'll start at just the right time, and then as I hike along north, northeast, uh, spring will follow me. And by the time I reach the end, uh, I will reach the end in ideal temperatures and weather and that sort of thing. So enough of that. Here's uh, from page 8 of Walking with Spring by Earl Schaefer back in 1948. I backpacked to a rickety lean-to near a rickety fire tower and stayed there. The little black notebook says, Got cold and blustery toward morning. Hated like poison to get up. At least the scramble back to the summit warmed me up a little. And now the time had come. This was the threshold of my great adventure long delayed by World War II and without my trail partner who had been killed on Iwo Jima. Those four and a half years of army service, more than half of it in combat areas of the Pacific, without furlough or even rest leave, had left me confused and depressed. Perhaps this trip would be the answer. Late in 1947, I had seen an article in an outdoor magazine entitled The Long Trails Challenge. It said that no one was known to have hiked the entire trail in a continuous journey, though many had tried, and such a trip might actually be impossible. Suddenly, the old dream came alive. Why not walk the army out of my system? both mentally and physically. Take pictures and notes along the way. Make a regular expedition out of it. The trail would benefit at a time when it was at a low ebb. My background of running the brush in all kinds of weather, based on the writings of such men as Nesmuk and Grey Owl, should carry me through. Surely those years of trailing with Walter when we first heard of the Appalachian Trail and wanted to walk it, would be an asset now. The launching of the long cruise was totally lacking in ceremony. I looked at the battered sign for the last time, while the shrill wind seemed to be saying, Get moving, Ridge Runner. The trail is calling, and Katahdin is far away. My mountain troop rucksack was bulky and heavy as I slung it to my shoulders and started off. In it were an Air Corps survival tent, a Marine Corps poncho, a rain hat, a paper mill blanket, marble company match safe and compass and sheath knife, small hand axe, sewing kit, snake bike kit, mountain troop cook kit, and food for about a week. Clothing consisted of t-shirts, navy turtleneck, mountain cloth pants, wool cotton socks, and bird shooter boots. The only item not with me all the way was the tent. It stayed with me about a week. My plan was to move north with the spring, with the seasonal change, with no definite day-by-day goals but never tarring along as weather and terrain permitted. 
The early start from the south would allow a maximum of at least six months to reach and cross the timberline of New England. I hope to maintain an average daily distance of close to 20 miles, but would settle for 15. Another advantage of the early start was the absence of snakes and bugs. Also, in April, true first month of the year, the woods are at their finest. With the budding and leafing of trees, the blooming of flowers, the full flowing streams and waterfalls, the rain-swept blue of the sky, and the little old retina, rugged and dependable, would record the beautiful scenes. You might want to read that book, Walking with Spring, by Earl Schaefer. Until then, you folks have a wonderful week. I'll see you back here next week. Mm-hmm.